Hey, Doc, what's your schedule looking like tomorrow? I got a few patients, but I can move them around. Let me check. Uh, good till next WrestleMania. You know that's right. It's episode 12, season 5 of this podcast and of Psych, and it starts right about hmm, now. I've heard it both ways. 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 And welcome back to I've Heard It Both Ways. I'm your friendly neighborhood backcracker, Dr. Joe, and riding shotgun in the blueberry with me, as always, is the V-neck wearing, Italian horn wearing, smooch stealing, woo, cane commercial shooting, moped riding, drone flying, son of a gun, he's having a hard time keeping those alligators down, woo, Billy, how you doing, my man? Uh, fantastic, Joe, thank you for the intro. Moped riding? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means. I guess I do, but I haven't done that. I'm proud of what I do. Um, I got. I got to keep the vehicles. I got to rotate vehicles in and out. I was gonna I go so. raise a scooter, so. so. you know? so. But Italians, you know, mopeds, you know. I also rock a cross, sense. not a horn, but I appreciate it. Well, you know, I got. I got. I got to keep it fresh, you know. But we're back. <laughs> we are back, baby. I am very excited, especially with this episode we are talking uh psych season five episode 12 dual spires and uh before we get into the process and all that i just gotta say this is i think a mount rushmore episode for me on rewatch and i watched it a bunch while i was traveling um so i was shocked at how perfect this episode is yeah it's great it really is yeah start, start to finish, to finish. top to bottom t to b nuts to bolts it really does it all yeah, uh, I have one one nitpick, but it it doesn't even like it doesn't even detract in any sense, you know, from this episode. I mean, just from the way it starts, we have no real cold open, no young Sean, no Gus. They just mm-hmm. sort of get into it, and I think I think what I love about it, the well, one of the things I love about it is that there's no semblance of a crime. Until the first, I don't know, eight minutes, eight, ten minutes of mm-hmm. the episode, right? Which is great because you just, they're just sort of giving you this, like, they're creating this creepy vibe, but there's still, there's no, there's no crime yet. And usually mm-hmm. you get it right off the rip or you get some tease of what it might be in the cold open from, you know, young Sean or young Gus. But I, I, I love everything about it. As you said, you know, soup to nuts, tea to be the whole nine yards. Uh, so before we uh, profess our love for this episode even more, Billy, mm-hmm. why don't you remind the people who have been clamoring for our return? I know. Our process? Well, as you know, it starts with a holla, ends with the cream skull, and if there's time in between, a little Thundercats. Oh! 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 oh. Uh, yes. All right. We're getting it. We're getting it. Billy. We got it. <laughs> we got it. Uh, so, uh, psych season five, episode 12, dual spires, uh, quick synopsis here. Mm-hmm. Sean and Gus receive a mysterious email inviting them to the cinnamon festival in dual spires, a quirky town that nearly invisible on the map in this homage to twin peaks. This might be their best homage episode. This and clue. Right, this and Clue, they really nail it. You know what? Um, as as the biggest Clue fan maybe in the world, I will say this is way better. Because the Clue one, a lot of the people were unfortunately unable to or dead to be in it. True. Um, this one has a ton. And I feel like the Clue one is a little bit, uh, you know, it moves to the beat of jazz a little bit. It's a little bit all over the place. Um, true, true, this true. is, and I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe I'll like it more when we rewatch. Because I definitely like this more when we rewatch it, the Twin Peaks one. But this is, yeah, hands down their best homage, uh, homage, however you want to say it, episode. And they even like snuck it in in that mini cold open with the silent window shades, which is really a small thing that relates back to the crazy woman in. Um, in Twin Peaks, who was trying to like create them. So like that was right. like, a really small thing to start it off. That like was I think it was the opening line. Yeah, everything about this episode 
everything about it. The Easter eggs are out the ass. Mm-hmm. And what I what I love is that they they lay into it. They uh they or lay lean into it, I should say. And they know like there's certain moments when they know what they're doing, right? Is it it's almost like a, a third wall kind of thing, uh, without like it being you know wildly obvious. Or fourth but wall. fourth wall, yes, thank you, Jesus Billy. I, you know, I'm new to this. You need three to get four. <laughs> That's right, that's right, right. We're getting there. <laughs> but there's so there's so many little things. And even the uh, the past two days, you know, I watched it. I watched it a bunch of times. You pick up things every single time mm-hmm. you watch it. And what I love, too, is that they were able to get they, they got something like six or seven characters, seven characters from the original Twin, Twin Peaks uh, to be in this. And I don't know when the last time was if you've ever watched twin peaks but oh, I, I know have. it's been a while for me but what a wild wild off the rail show and this was a perfect off the rails episode yeah and i listened to our last episode where we talked about it uh, a teeny bit this episode and you know twin peaks was one of those shows where i watched it i think during one of like my recent injuries maybe like five six years ago and i watched it all within like two days the first two seasons and Dale Cooper is probably one of the best characters of the 90s. I would probably put him like a top Hands five. Down. He is awesome. And, you know, that show was so far ahead of its time, especially for being on like a network, not even like yeah. a cable network. That was like on ABC or something. So it was so far ahead of what TV was doing. And it got a little weird in season two. But I <laughs> think, you know, the creative minds of both Steve Franks and James Roday. Rodriguez really must have, you know, to, to you know, purposely do this, piqued their interest, you know, whenever they watched it as like kids, teenagers, young adults. Oh yeah, I mean there was heavy influence. I mean mm-hmm. we, uh, James Roday was a writer for this episode, mm-hmm. which was great, yep. and and so director, we have Matt uh, Shackman, who, who who's done a lot of really good episodes here. So he did Nine Lives. Uh, which was which was you know for season two or season one was a good episode. Uh, Lights, camera, homicidio. I mean oh, that's fucking unbelievable. That, that's an all timer. Uh, the head, the tail, the whole damn episode. Another one. Uh, one hundred clues. So they brought him uh, in again to do the homage clues, episode. Yep. And then so what I what I loved about this too is that he was the director on a show Everwood, which I never watched, but I believe I heard of. And I love that that show is referenced in this episode as being the only show that this town is aware of. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> and now that I see that, it's even funnier. And I was um, listening to a random. Actually, I listened to Sean 2.0, like the first like 20 minutes is as far as I can make it. I'll, I'll try to make it further uh, of the uh, the Sykes are in with uh, Jules and Lassie. And they talked about a couple of guys that worked on the show that were like character names in the show. And apparently, yeah. like everybody's like wife gets a name in the show and stuff. So uh, it, it's hilarious that they took the director and kind of wrote him into the story of like when he's like, uh, every once in a while, we all get together and watch everyone. Oh, I can work with that. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do reference. And like, he forced them in and they were, they were so like, it was so bad. And, Sean, and Gus and, and Jules are just like, all right, dude. All right, come on. Uh, but it was great because he would like, he was like, the way that he forced the reference in there in the middle of that scene was was absolutely brilliant. It was a highly tense scene. Like he just was shoving wood in Jewel's face. Yeah, get that wood out of my girlfriend. Get that wood out of her face. Um, yeah, because it did get tense because you know he was like sizing her up, you know. And uh, so, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It happens a little early on, or a little later on, I should say. Um, so standout guest stars, Billy. I mean, we have a ton, and they are mm-hmm. all from uh twin peaks for me the standout star uh was ray wise as father wesley reprising his role as father wesley and i thought he did a better job in this episode than he did the episode in which he he was mostly featured in um but what i loved is the the rest of the cast the characters we get log lady mm-hmm. who, rest in peace pick of the pod yeah pick of the pod who was great in the original uh twin peaks and i loved how they sort of played that off in this so you see her, you recognize her. She's holding the wood. Like that's one of those things. Like when you watch a, a bizarre ass TV show, like you're going to remember certain things. And like from twin peaks, like this old 
woman just walking around holding a log like you don't forget that mm-hmm. and she's walking out she's holding this log and they have this look on their face and then like she's grabbing her grandkid or whatever or she's talking to something and they think it's oh the yeah, log. yeah yeah and they're yeah. like huh and then yeah. the little kid comes out and they're like nah that would have been too much yeah that been too even much. making like, fun of twin peaks like poking fun at twin peaks that like they had a li- they they wouldn't even go as far to have the log lady just talk to a lot. They were like kind of winking and nodding at how yeah that was my you know that peak to the third fourth wall there right it was like they knew <laughs> what they were doing right and uh, so I but I thought that was great that was that was pulled off perfectly. Uh, you had Dana Ashbrook who plays and I loved their character names in this episode Bob Barker, unbelievable uh, Doc right, Gooden, Doc <laughs> Gooden, Randy Jackson. Uh, Randy Jackson. Um, Andrew Jackson, right? <laughs> uh, Robin Lively, who played Michelle Barker on the episode, uh, Sherilyn Fenn, uh, Baudette. I mean, she was she, she was brilliant. something else in Twin Peaks, and let me tell you, she's still still throwing heat. Um, uh, Lenny Von uh, Doolin and Cheryl Lee, who uh, I believe she was the girl that was in the famous photo. She was the actress in the, in the famous photo from Twin Peaks. So. Um, just a great job being able to to get them all uh, to be in this episode. So um, to jump right into it, William, you know, there, there was no real cold open. Mm. They just get into the episode there with in the office. We're talking about, oh, I'm free till next WrestleMania. Uh, <laughs> it's such a brilliant that down to. Yeah. <laughs> That's he's been, like the open for a while. Free till next yeah. WrestleMania. And then he gives like the. Yeah. The- <laughs> Which I, yeah. <laughs> But uh, you know the the window shades reference, uh, mm. which was great, and uh, you know was the was the quote there that comes with that from Sean. He's like, uh, bup, 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 when we get down there, why do you hate other people's triumphs of innovation?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which was such a great uh, a great Sean line. But what I love about this scene really is we we get some we get some real humdinger references off the off the rip, but it, it really sets up the episode where you've got. Gus receiving this strange uh, email about a cinnamon fest, which perplexes him because he knows all of the small town publication (laughs) newsletters, you know, and he's never heard of under the nail dot com. He's never heard of it's a cinnamon festival that they're unaware of, which shocks the both of them. Uh, But they decide to go. And and I also love that he says Seanopolis. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Not yet. I have to acquire a small parcel. Just land. need some signatures. Yeah. <laughs> for forever, I th- I thought it was like a reference to some show and or movie that I was just hearing as, you know, Chanopolis or like something right. I didn't know. But it's no, it's just Seanopolis. Shut up! That doesn't exist, Sean. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> signatures. But I love this. You know, how could there be a cinnamon festival we have never heard of, which makes perfect sense for the two of them. So, you know, and and I love that, you know, Dual Spires is so small that it's in parentheses. Yeah. Uh, And they have the exact number of the population on the fucking board. Yeah, 288, uh, which is wild. So they get to Dual Spires and... uh, One of the running gags that I love throughout this episode is that Gus is the only black person that they've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you love that. This is probably a line I've heard you use a few times. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's my it's one of my all time favorites. Where he's where Gus is he's very he's like people are looking at me like I'm the first black person they've ever seen. And then you get this little girl on a bicycle. She goes, "Hey, Mister, are you Frederick Douglass?" Uh, Sean, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Absolutely kills me. Also shows that they're probably not very up on their history because he was a famous abolitionist in the 1800s. He was. <laughs> so... <laughs> but the, the introduction to this town uh, is absolutely perfect. And we get we get right into the sawmill restaurant, which I believe the sawmill was an important part of Twin Peaks. Yeah, it was like where they it was like the big thing in the town. It was like what yeah. drove the, the, the industry. And so, so they get in there and, uh, you know, they need to kill some time, you know, before the cinnamon festival. So they ask uh, Bob Barker, who we're introduced to, uh, what they have to offer. And he says, two piping hot of the best apple ciders this side of the Mississippi. They're far. They're they're, they're quite a distance right from the, from the Mississippi there. Uh, but then two of the best slices of cinnamon pie. And let me tell you something. 
this scene here, this moment, the acting from both Gus and Sean, when Gus takes that first bite of that pie, you could feel it. The look on his face, and Sean just goes, Really? Like he knew exactly what that meant. <laughs> and the way he goes, Oh, mother of God. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't even replicate it. It's so like, it's you can feel how good it. Like I want a piece of cinnamon pie right now. It's my hey. audio shit right now, Billy. No, you're good. Okay, I'm hearing an echo, so maybe it's just me. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, I forgot to plug in headphones. Like a like an amateur. So oh, look at that! Ready. He's throwing me off. Look at this! Look at this! Right, couple weeks off, and it's like we've never done this before. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Gotta plug him in. Gotta plug him in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we start to get introduced to some of the characters here. So Bob Barker, he's the restaurant manager, uh, him and his wife, uh, Michelle, they sort of run the place. Uh, and then we get introduced to Andrew Jackson. Oh my God. I love this and guy. He, he's amazing. And he, he is one odd dude, but he acts it so perfectly. He plays oh, the space shot real well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we don't have any of those in our town. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we no. don't have the the internet here. Life's life's simpler that way, and mm-hmm. that that weird ass smile he gives mm-hmm. is thoroughly, thoroughly terrifying. Um, yeah, he's got and, the whole powder and, look going on too. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's really fucking weird. So now we get to the Cinnamon Festival. It's beginning. They're walking around, you know, and uh, so they, they, there's this whole big setup. This whole big to do. Uh, we mentioned earlier, right? The, the the town's population is on the sign, 288. So Sean, real quick, is able to to look into the crowd, notice there's you know a few people missing here. There's a couple empty seats, and this is where now we start to get some inkling that something might not be you know all that it seems uh, yeah, in dual spires at the yeah. circle. Yeah. And so with the empty chairs, which appears to be one for every member of the town, so Sean approaches, you know, uh, Bob Barker and his wife, Michelle, and they say, "Eh, what's the deal with these missing seats? And this is where we learn that their niece, Paula, is actually missing. Uh, And Sean offers up not just his cinnamon skills, but his uh, psychic skills uh, to help them with their uh, missing niece. Yeah, because even the wife was like, what do you mean you sensed she was missing? And then they said, you know, we'll work for you. We'll figure this out. And I love the, you know, um, we don't have much money. <laughs> and Sean goes, well, we know we have been known to work for cider and pie. And then Gus yeah. just goes, we will find your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you found the monkey bread. Oh, dude, fuck it. Have you had monkey bread? Monkey bread is the fucking balls. Monkey I bread's amazing. It. And like, it really is. I only thought it was like a cinnamon type thing, but then somebody made like, a calzone in a monkey bread like mold. No way. Yeah. Oh. It was amazing. It was I had, I had a friend growing up, uh Tony Romasco, and uh his mom and his sister would just make the best monkey bread I have ever had. And I think they purposely like didn't cook it all the way because you get some like kind of raw gooey pieces, and okay. that was okay. Yeah, that's okay. It was okay. It worked, it was <laughs> wonderful absolutely wonderful now all i want is fucking monkey bread Mm. um but we find out that paula uh barker uh she's been missing a few days and then right on cue right just as you expect the the pacing of this episode billy is is, again another one of its uh strengths because we've i think we've had a few episodes this season where the pacing's been a little been a little off you know it's either been rushed or it's been a little too slow but it was just like boom Beat for beat for beat, just on point. It's so a right on cue. We get this doofus on a bike, just sort of stumbling into the, uh, um, uh, into it's the little uh, thing, the ceremony where they little thing, and, and, and he starts yelling, uh, you know, something happened down by the lake, you know, um, and so now we know, okay, missing girl, something going on down by the lake. Um, it looks like we're dealing with with a, a death, a possible murder, some sort of foul play here. And we also get introduced to uh, Gus's nickname this episode. Lodge Blackman, one of the great names in uh, 
fantasy, not fantasy football, but Madden football league history. And I'm probably not going to have enough players to fill out a roster because I forgot to do that. It's been a busy day. But what I do like about this is a lot is we go to the lake, we get the shot of Paula, and it's pretty much identical to the scene in Twin Peaks when we see the body revealed at the lake. The same, you know, frosted over teenage face, the same, you know, kind of reaction from the family. Um, it's a very nice tribute to the show in that aspect as well. Well, everything about it, the music, the mm -hmm. score. Oh, the music, um, yeah. Every, everything about it, the way that, you know, the oddness of the characters, um, but everything, like they, they nailed it beat for beat. They nailed it without it being like so on the nose. Sometimes it's a, it's not a shot for shot remake. No, right? this is a, this is a true, like we're paying homage to you, but we're going to like really, you know, give you guys yeah. those Easter eggs, it's right? Not, give you those, those moments. It's not on the nose. It's under the nail. That's right. Well, so going back to the scene where they're offering up their psychic, uh, their psychic uh, skills, um, you know, I love that Sean just keeps throwing out the phrase "under the nail" mm -hmm. to see if someone responds. And when fucking Bob Barker starts looking under his nail and so like chewing under his nail, it's like, okay, it's not this guy. No, not this guy. <laughs> he clearly didn't do it. But that lake scene was such a great scene, and we, that's where we learned like. Was it a murder? Was it an accident? It seems like they're pretty quick to. Yeah, you know, it's very suspicious it. from Andrew Jackson. Yeah, Andrew, yes. that he's like, well, you know, she was always swimming late. She was a bit of a rule breaker, a bit of a rebel. Yeah. And right there, you know, we got something. It's something's up. So it is a very odd, like, launch to the case. And then. <laughs> And we get the the guy in the rickshaw who I think is also like a tribute to the guy from Twin Peaks too. So yeah, because yeah, there was a Native American, right? Just sprinkling it in. Yeah, and he's he's riding the rickshaw, which is great. And then he just out of nowhere, I think his only line in the entire episode is he puts his hand on the ground and he goes, <laughs> "The earth is soft and moist." And I think it's from that point on is when the show just goes off the rails, like into it goes into full Twin Peaks mode, right? Yeah, because that because at that point it felt like okay, it's, it's like okay, we've got some nice Easter eggs here for Twin Peaks, but it still felt like a regular sort of psych episode. This this is when it gets odd. This is when it gets weird. And they never look back. Yeah, and we also get you know, I'm I also would again like I would love to know if they actually shot it in the exact same places for some of this that they shot. Twin Peaks. I would assume not because they shot most of the show in Canada, but maybe they went on location. I actually don't know where Twin Peaks was shot. It could have been Canada. But yeah. um, this is where they next get the <laughs> very dated looking email from who uh, from under the nail .com of who killed Paul Merrill. So whoever is interacting with them and sent them there is, you know, following this case right along with them. Yeah. And he gets uh, Sean gets an email with a series of numbers. Um, which at the time doesn't really seem to make sense. Uh, so they go back into town and, and the guys realize they're going to need a mode of transportation. And so the fact that they're on a tandem bike is the most perfect <laughs> thing ever. It's great. And they're wearing the little helmets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. And so this is where they go to Doc Gooden's office. Yeah. Right? Tummy shame. <laughs> I fucking, I like the fucking cover story that. for that to get them in there is fantastic yeah. because you know they need to get in there they need to do some snooping i do love that this lady has legitimately as many interests slash jobs as gus she's yeah. like the town's tax preparer doctor lawyer whatever veterinarian um, yeah <laughs> and you also get a little bit of the from andrew jackson that oh you know that doc won't miss anything on the autopsy and yeah. You know, we get a couple of clues here from Sean poking around while Gus is behind the curtain putting on uh, <laughs> the gown. I think. Yeah. And she's lubing up her fingers oh and God. snapping the gloves. You know, my buddy ate too much cinnamon. And he has tummy shame. It's, 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 I'm going to I got to start using tummy shame. Mm -hmm. uh, I suffer from that uh, immensely. Um, but what we get the biggest piece of evidence we get here is that in a baggie, there's an earring. And Sean sort of remembers seeing that same earring on Sheriff uh, Andrew Jackson. Well, mm -hmm. uh, just a character, I should say, at this point in time that we know to be as Randy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, uh, you know, the town jock. He used the, this year's Cinnamon King. And so they get on the tandem bike and they start to um, they start to chase Randy in one of the all time great psych chases, uh, <laughs> the tandem bike versus the mountain bike. And he, he leads them. Um, well, this is where we get Log Lady. Um, and then they so they, they they start this bike chase and they follow Randy to a house. It turns out to be Sheriff Jackson's house. Which would make Randy, Randy Jackson. It would indeed. And I'm starting to wonder too, like that little ramp that they go down is very similar to the ramp that they go down in Daredevil. Yes. With that, when they're chasing the, <laughs> um, the motorcycle guy. And yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah, come yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that the looks familiar. It might yeah. be the same. It might not. I think it might be slightly different. But yeah, we get to the house. It's, you know, Sheriff Jackson. And we get another kind of clue there with the cancer medicine on yeah. the table so that's saved kind of for later so they uh fancy themselves as you know grief counselors they go upstairs and they get a little more information from randy himself yeah so it turns out that randy and paula were dating um and you know r- that would kind of make randy a possible suspect because in you know these sort of deaths you always you always look to the husband we Chances are it was it was us because that's just how it fucking plays out. Uh, but he has an alibi uh, where he was at the library at the time of Paula's death, and this you know this this comes into you know the librarian comes into becomes a big central part of the character in the story here. And and and, and what I love here is that you start to see Randy like because he just kind of goes from what you would think would be a sort of a prototypical entitled privileged you know kid to absolute weirdo and i love the overacting this entire episode like when someone gets emotional or something they just they overact the shit out of it they chew the scene to bits and bits and bits and it works out perfectly yeah the face he makes when he's looking at the earring on the bed is fucking yeah hysterical <laughs> yeah and then he sees his cry is always gonna cry yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is great so now we head to the library and uh billy we meet Maudette. Oh, Maudette. Uh, my kind of girl. <laughs> Sipping on that cherry Coke, let me tell yeah. you. Best flavor yeah. of what? Everything. Um, but yeah, we get Maudette, and I, I think it might be the second time that they meet up with her, but I do love with uh, how Sean goes, uh, will you be Gus's date to Betty Boot Night at the Roadhouse? One, Roadhouse is the bar from um, Twin Peaks, but yep. two... She does look fucking like a real life Betty Boop. <laughs> yeah, she really is. It's, it is the second time he meets her, but it is it is a great um, uh, is a great reference there. And yeah, she she really does. And <laughs> so, um, well, <laughs> again, they're sort of playing into Gus being black here. And she goes, "You must be the psychic." And he goes, "How did you know that?" She goes, "Well, word <laughs> travels fast. An untimely death, a psychic, a psychic, a black man, all in one day." epic right (laughs) that just fucking kills me uh but she does confirm that randy was with her and we get a little weirdness here where she sort of says she was a little little you know she 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 played a role for both him and the father because the mother passed away early right and the first time i heard that you kind of just kind of whatever you know she was his mom and you know probably banging jackson but it turns out he was she was probably banging both of them yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is bananas. Uh, <laughs> if she had uh, grabbed the banana, that bit would have killed. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a bitch. No. <laughs> oh, but anyway, anyways, yes. There's weird implications that they were romantically involved, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where Sean uh, harkens back to that email and the strange hieroglyphics that. That were sent to him, and it turns out they're not hieroglyphics, uh, but they're related to the Dewey Decimal System. And of course, Gus knows everything about the Dewey Decimal System. Sports and recreation. So they go, they find the book, um, and it is out of place in the spot that it's supposed to be. It's a golf tips cover, but what they see once they open up the book, it doesn't match. And the book is about birth and reincarnation, which at the moment really means nothing to them until they call Jules and find out that the girl Paula Merrill was actually she drowned in Santa Barbara seven years ago? Yeah, so she supposedly drowned and died seven years ago. 
So what we, are we dealing with with mm-hmm. the case of twins here? A mistaken identity, false identity? Is there is there a con job going on? Who knows? Uh, but this is what this episode does is there's there's this moment and there's at least one or two more moments where you go, oh, that's a fucking killer swerve, mm-hmm. right? That that is awesome. You, you don't see it coming and like, oh, that's good. That's good. Now the intrigue level is, you know, the intrigue factor is ramped up and and we're getting really great storytelling and we're, we're getting, you know, a lot of times we talk about this, right? Where like a, a typical psych show, like the best ones marry both the humor um, and and the, the storytelling. Well, but a lot of times we get really great story and the humor isn't isn't up to par, but it's still really great. Or it's the humor that sort of carries everything when 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 the when the plot isn't so great, but with this episode here, like the humor is different, mm-hmm. right? The humor is with the Easter eggs. The humor is with the side characters. It's with all all those little bits and pieces that fit, you know, in that twins pe- that Twin Peaks world where you get Sean, you know, saying a few like he's got a couple of few one liners, you know, Gus's reactions to, to things. So it isn't like the typical humor, but you know when, when those notes hit, it's absolutely perfect because it fits the tone. Um, and with the storytelling here, it's just well, yeah, I, and, I, and the storytelling is great because it's kind of two crimes: the crime of the past where the girl drowns and is kind of kidnapped, yeah. and the story that we're going to get to in a second, where you know we'll just talk about it now for a second, but. The fact that they think that Randy is going to abscond with the bad girl anyways. So it is kind of a good plan by the town to eliminate that girl and then he won't want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's so um, it's it's layered and it is very, very well thought out. And Mm -hmm. there's like there isn't there isn't a hole. In any of the the plot uh, with this, you know, with this episode, so we go back to the sawmill restaurant now, and I love this because you know, in walks Lassie and Jules, <laughs> and you've got one of these weirdo, you know, characters just sort of staring at Lassie. And he goes, "What are you staring at, Jessup?" <laughs> you know, which just ab- the delivery of that line absolutely kills me. And so when they're sitting down, Lassie reveals that you know, yes, Paula Merrill was pronounced dead in Santa Barbara seven years ago, but a body was never recovered. So they're there to collect evidence and ID the body um, so they can link the two cases. And one of the things that that um, that Lassie mentions is that at the scene at the quote unquote crime scene in Santa Barbara seven years ago, where I think, you know, Paula Merrill's clothes had washed up. There was also a pile of sunflower seeds. And one of one of the things that Sean knows from earlier in the episode is that um, uh, Bob, Bob uh, Bob Barker. Right. He likes to he likes to chew himself some seeds. So now they have a potential suspect and they get to Robert's house. And uh, he explains that, you know, Paula's mom, Lucy, was a meth head um, and they needed to get Paula, you know, away from her because Paula had been writing them notes saying, you know, mom's been white rocks are making her magical and shit. Yeah. Um, And so this is where we find out that in order to get Paula away from that, they faked Paula's death to get her out of Santa Barbara and away from her mom so they could hide her and raise her in secluded uh, dual spires, which pisses Lassie off to no end. Well, yeah, because it's a crime. So he's going to go back. He's going to get the warrant. Jules, um, I think she was going to stick around and check out other people in the town. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, – she's in and out of this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't keep track of her. But – what they do after that is they go up to Paula's room and search around, kind of snoop for some pictures. We get the great line here of, uh, come on, I, what about when I found you hiding pictures of John Cusack in your room? Those were Joan. That makes it better. Actually, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Every teenager has a weird face, right? It was yeah. it was so good. Um, but they're, they're snooping around. They knock over a teddy bear, which makes a loud thud. They open it up. Inside um, is a diary. And uh, the diary happens to be written in Latin. So Sean's like, well, she's trying to hide something. She clearly doesn't want someone to read this. Um, so who do they get who could translate Latin for him, Billy? 
good old Father Wesley, the former star uh, himself. Well, I don't know. There was a lot of people. It was an ensemble cast there, uh, Twin Peaks. But um, Father Wesley, he translates it. But in classic Sean fashion, uh, when the conversation gets a little too real for him, he steps away from the service, and Father Wesley isn't able to translate all of the letter so we get a but wait there's more because they just find out that you know um she's talking to talking about two boys randy and jack yeah but not the fact that she thought she was in trouble right and it was was, i mean they played it off well too at least because there's like there's only one spot in the (laughs) town that that they got any service Right. So, you know, there's initials R for Randy, but then there was the letter uh, or the letter J. And this is this was one small nitpick that I had. They were introduced to Jack early on. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he was the, the buffoon on the bike. So that I feel like something is Sean should have remembered because I believe they mentioned his name. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I don't so- think so, but they might have. I thought they said his name earlier on in the episode, so like I feel like they should have. But I could be, I could be, and awfully am wrong about stuff like this. But they have to find out who Jay is, <laughs> so they go back to the um, the library with Maudette, and she's flirting with Gus, big time. And I love creepy Gus. Creepy Gus is one of the best Gus's. Uh, I would say Maudette's being a little more creepier though. She's the one putting on the flirt game. Oh yeah, yeah, but then like, but then you know you see that shift in Gus, right? Because at first mm-hmm. he goes like what, and then all of a sudden he goes into he goes into Play John's blade mode. Mm-hmm. You can play Gus, uh, but my dad gives them a, a yearbook, you know, and so trying to find out who Jay could possibly be. And in her graduating class of six people, there are no one with the name Jay, but Sean does spot someone um, in the yearbook. Uh, with the initials JS, and it turns out that the character's name was Jack, and it was uh, it was the dude, the goofy dude riding the bicycle from the beginning. Yeah, so they go to his house, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode because <laughs> they show up. Uh, he takes a photo right as they walk in, and I also love this is the kind of sense of humor I have where he's like, uh, "Why don't you hang up any of your photos on the wall?" As his wall is just covered <laughs> in photos. Of, so, yeah. Yeah, it's like so, you and your background there. Yeah, you know? well, yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you hang up pictures of cartoon art, Billy, um, <laughs> or have pop figures in your living room? But so we find out that he used to date Paula, and then she left him for the big time jock, and he's losing his eyesight. And she was actually with Paula the night of the the incident, and we all know that you know he didn't do anything, but he was knocked out in that little span of time so he has no idea what happened yeah according to him he uh he went into jet blackness <laughs> what's that uh, uh that's a great poor name for you that's what it is <laughs> oh man the way he delivers that too like it's <laughs> a great poor name for you uh, yeah and then when he says uh uh, you know who did it? He's like, I don't know. It snuck up from behind me. I couldn't see. Well, it didn't really matter. <laughs> if you were looking, anyways. Like the couple blind jokes that they work in, and like it is like, yeah, don't make fun of blind people. He still has some of his sight, but like th- that humor that they work in here is pretty good. Yeah, because it's not malicious. It's no. just great. Because they're also trying it's to situation. figure out like, because Gus thinks there's something wrong with them, and then yeah. Sean figures out he's blind, so he knocks over a glass and it breaks. And he's like, no, no, no. The the way the light will reflect off the glass will be beautiful. And then Sean goes like, ah, glass broke over here. He goes, yeah, I know that. And then and, and that's when they figure out he's he's blind. And then so Sean asks him if he took any pictures from that night. And he goes, well, yes, I did. So they go into his black room there, and they're trying to develop pictures. Dark right, the dark room. Right, what I call it, the black room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I'm caught in the world of, of dual spires. I've yeah. never seen any black people black before. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in the dark room, and we we get. I, I think we get one of the funniest, the funniest back and forths here because I think we actually see uh, Sean break character for a moment. So they're in there, and and as they're developing the film, Sean goes, "Oh, great! Five different angles of her feet. Yeah, that'll really tell us something." To which Jack replies, 
Will you try taking a picture blindfolded and see how it comes out? And the laugh that Sean gives, I feel like in that moment, that, that was just an ad lib moment. Yeah. You know, Sean's line, <laughs> Jack's line, and then the laugh by Sean, like that was awesome. He appreciated his uh his comedic timing there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But what we get here, this is huge. And again, this is another this is I think part of uh James Roday's strength. Cause he really like we've talked about this before, like when it comes to like thriller type episodes he gets it he knows the beats that makes a good horror you mm-hmm. know show suspense. movie and right he creates suspense brilliantly and so what as one of the pictures is sort of coming into focus as it's developing you see a figure and it's andrew jackson uh which was a great little moment a great little suspenseful moment you know in the show um so now he's like, oh fuck, we gotta get to Randy's house. Because that's where Juliet is. Yeah, that's where Juliet is. And so she gets there because she wants to tell Sheriff Jackson uh that they're gonna be uh you bring in their investigation to dual spires. Yeah, and it gets pretty ramped up from that point on. Oh yeah. Because they get him out of that situation pretty quickly. We get the whole Everwood thing. But then they go back to the diner, they eat some pie, and they're kind of figuring out, like, you know, who's doing what, who has motive. Sean gets a pretty good, you know, flashback that Maudette would have been jealous of Paula of Paula because of the relationship she had with Randy. She even threw a little bit in there when she was going through the yearbook of, like, oh, she just loved having her photo taken. So you could clearly see that might be something. So they go to see Maudette, and guess what? Yeah, Maudette did. She did. Yeah, she did. She's hanging, right? She uh, She's like uh, that old guy from Shawshank Redemption. You Brooks. Know? Brooks. Brooks was here. Uh, so clearly she is not, not the killer. Um, and Sean notices, um, you know, while they're outside trying to figure out there's there's actually an internet cable coming from a tree into, you know, the library. Uh, so they go in there and that's when Sean realizes it was Maudette who was, you know, responsible under for, for under the nail. Um, and she must have got got because she was getting a little too close to whatever mm-hmm. it is that's going on, especially you know, surrounding Paula and all of a sudden they go to leave and they can't and there's smoke everywhere. And now, like you said, we're really ramping things up. Yeah. Because Juliet had left to go, you know, fill out the report because, you know, Randy Jackson, again, you know, it's a little bit over the top with his, you know, you know, Maudette probably couldn't take, you know, the shame of blah, 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 blah. You know, she killed herself. So like he's really pouring it on thick with that stuff. So they go in to inspect the thing. It's fiery. It's bad. And surprisingly, they get saved the day by a good old fashioned. Here's Johnny. And and so I I gave strong consideration to making Father Wesley my you know character my my character of the episode uh, because what one of the things he does here like like he was he was great in his own episode but it was a little bit more serious mm-hmm. right. In this, like his character's done like a 180. He's he's become a sort of a satire. Yeah, they um, even of, work in the joke, uh, like in the first scene that he's in on the phone, he doesn't have white hair. Yeah. And what happened? Oh, and he go he goes into it, but the best thing about it is um, you know, he's constantly sort of poking fun at like at religion, mm-hmm. right? Which is great because he's like, uh Gus goes, How did you find us? He goes, I just had faith. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Like, Faith is like yeah. a bunch of hooey. He goes, um, you know, I got into town. I saw the tandem bike. The place was on fire. And I just assumed it had two, to be two together and figured it was you guys. Right. And so, you know, the reason why he's there. And again, they, 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 they did this all well. It was all paced well. He's like, I had more to tell you, but you, you hung up on me. And, and I couldn't call him back because they had no service. Right. So, like, everything that you try to push on here, like, to, like, poke a hole in it won't happen yeah yeah they 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 dapped it up they filled those holes with dap mm-hmm. they got in there and so he's like she was scared she felt like someone was uh you know was was watching her you know and uh so then he, that made him naturally scared for them so that's why he got there um and so bob barker shows up he's like guys we got to get out of here I, i'm gonna take my cab i'm gonna tell you everything right mm-hmm. 
So they get to Bob Barker's cabin. You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, Father Wesley. It's Sean. It's Gus. And you know what we get here is we sort of get this sort of um, you know reveal of the town of Dual Spires, how it was founded, how it was formed. You know, you know why the sawmill, you know, burning down. You know, back in the fifties was a big deal. Uh, and how you know um, it was a drifter. They got you know eight people died. They cut off the town from insulation of people. They insulated themselves from people. You know, Paula ran away. Uh, Paula's mother ran away. They came back. You know, <laughs> Bob Barker slept with the yeah. mother, uh, his wife's sister. That's who his kid is. Like, you know, it's it's a whole big mess up there in Dual Spires, even though they claim to be these holier than now type of people. And, you know, you find all of that kind of stuff out. And then right before, you know, the Goodens and the Jackson breaks in, I think Sean kind of cracks what was going on. Yeah, you're right. That reveal that Bob is uh, Paula's father, mm-hmm. right, is absolutely fantastic. Because, again, you don't see it coming. No, well, you right? kind of see it with the like the finger. I mean, if you were right. really paying attention because he's got the crooked finger with the bottle and he has the crooked finger. But other right. than that, yeah, no, they leave it kind of to the end. And, you know, it's a it's a complicated episode, but it's fantastically simple at the same point. Like we're having right. a tough time, like saying it. But like if you watch the episode, it's not complicated at all. It's kind of yeah. complicated to recap, but it is very well done. Yeah, well, because it because there's a lot of moving parts, but even even still, like, I think that's what makes it so engrossing and mm-hmm. and 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 so rewatchable because there's a lot of stuff that you miss the first few times mm-hmm. you, you watch it around. But that reveal that Bob is a father, like, I remember going, "Holy shit, that's fucking fantastic!" Right, and you see that he's wearing a ring. Uh, it's it almost looks sort of like a mason's ring, um, and then in come. Uh, you know, Andrew Jackson and Doc Gooden, who are also wearing the same rings. And then this is where Sean goes, the founding fathers, the founding, you know, the founders of Dual Spires were the Goodens, the Barkers, and the Jacksons. So there's some weird, is it some weird cult thing that's going mm-hmm. on or, 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 or what is it? And so this is where we get the reveal, William. Yep. Where it's you know Sheriff uh, Jackson and 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 Doc Gooden, they're trying to preserve an, you know, the legacy of their town. Doc Gooden can't have kids, right? Yeah, she can't conceive. Um, that's why they have labradoodles. Yep. Uh, the Barkers, you know, uh, Paula never had, a son. never had a son, and and Paula was you know a illegitimate you know child uh, of Bob's, and with um, you know Sheriff Andrew Jackson dying of cancer, right? The, the only heir uh, of the, the, the surviving founders is, you know, Randy Jackson. Uh, <laughs> but he's but he's hell bent on running away with Paula and, and and starting anew. So they couldn't have that. So this was my one thing. Like, I just thought, like, they could have come up with maybe a little more sinister of a, a subplot there, you know, for for why they would need to. Kill I mean, Paula. that's as old as it gets, man. That's classic, uh, you know, uh, right to the throne type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I just, I just, I just, you know, because we had such a weird episode, I was expecting something maybe a little weirder or more. Like I said, it doesn't take away from this episode for me one bit. Um, but that, that, that's the why, right? They couldn't have their, you know, remaining, their last remaining heir, the Cinnamon King, uh, the Cinnamon King, you know, running off with some, you know, illegitimate, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, normie, if you will. Um, so, like that, that was it. Was such a great reveal. Everything up to this point was absolutely fantastic. And and right as they're about to like kill every, and this is another thing I love from from fucking Father, Father Wesley. She's like, I'm in my own stratosphere here, right? Like, okay, you're gonna kill them, but I'm good, right? You're not gonna kill a man of the cloth. Mm-hmm. And the way they look at him, and he's just like, what? You know, it was it was so good. But then Jules and Lassie bust in. Um, how they get there, and again he goes. It Father Wesley goes, it's a miracle. <laughs> no, I called him. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I called him before I showed up here, which I fucking loved. So, you know, that that was a great way to just about, you know, to wrap up the case and everything. And then maybe one of the best scenes of the episode. Do, um, do, 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 <laughs> do, 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 do. 
it just that that song, and then they're in the sawmill, and everyone is acting fucking crackers. Like right? Twin Peaks. Get, exactly. And the best thing about this, right? There's two things about this scene that stick out tremendously, right? Lassie's drinking a cup of coffee, and he just holds his hand up in the air the whole time, like he fits in perfectly. That is a like, damn fine cup of coffee. Could you imagine Timothy Amundsman in the original Twin Peaks? How he looks well just he like done? Dale Cooper. He's Dale Cooper. Like he, like yeah. He's that is a Lassie descriptor, like Flat Stanley or Mr. Yeah. Bean or yeah. Like they, I was waiting for it the whole time when I rewatched it because I think I saw Twin Peaks first, and no, I saw Psych Park then Twin Peaks. But um, like it is a perfect role for him to play. Like I'm surprised he wasn't more heavily featured in a Dale Cooper homage role, but they saved it to the end, and it was a great, yeah. great, great absolutely fantastic but the but you got the weird short lady doing mm-hmm. the weird dance with her arms in the background you got the big uh, giant guy which is another homage but jack the, in the red suit with the eye patch yep but the best part the best part was you had randy looking out the window barking at a dog <laughs> it's the fucking best it is just it is so fucking good billy it absolutely kills me absolutely it just they nailed it. Every aspect of that, like, you couldn't have taken a, 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 an iconic show and and paid tribute to it um, as good as Psych did. You know, there with Twin Peaks, absolute perfection, Billy. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, nailed it. We are into Thundercats, oh baby. So, I mean, we we've already talked, I think, ad, ad nauseum about some of our favorite, uh, most mm-hmm. memorable moments, but the introduction to Dual Spires. Uh, Gus's sort of general unease <laughs> about being in this town and the fact that they're all like, I've never seen a black person before. Um, anytime Father Wesley was w- was in a scene, it was brief. He, he might have only been in the episode for five minutes, maybe less. Um, but they were they were absolutely killer. And him poking fun at religious miracles, it was great. Um, the library scenes with Maudette were great. Um, just the general weirdness. Um, and then when they were in Jack's apartment, right? I love Jack's that was, apartment. That was great. Oh, you could have been looking. I don't think it would have made a difference. <laughs> you try taking a picture blindfold and see how it comes out. Um, you know, I had some things down here for least memorable moments. Um, you know, re- really, it's just I, I kind of wish that I, this is a me thing and it doesn't take away from the episode. It's not even a nitpick. It's just I I would have maybe liked a slightly different, but I hundred percent get why they went with that motive and that mm-hmm. plot point, right? Because it fit. It did really. It really didn't fit. Um, but I, I wanted like they had embraced the weirdness so much. I w- wish that maybe would have you know embraced sort of the sinister just a little bit more. But it fit. It was perfect. Like yeah, because really, probably when you do one of these things, if it's not ripped from the headlines, which this might have been on yeah. a smaller or a larger scale like you start probably with the motive and work back on like how to build it backwards like you know what i mean like we want to kill this girl because she's going to take away our king how are we going to work it backwards so i thought it was pretty good the only thing i didn't like was the spinach in the teeth bit oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah out yeah, of place yeah. that seemed like yeah. a didn't fit with the rest of the episode but you know what yeah yeah they tried yeah, so I already sort of told you who my favorite characters were, Sean, Father Wesley, but I, I almost, I originally just had all the side characters. Yeah. Because I thought they were great. Like, this is an episode where, like, Sean and Gus didn't have to um, steal the show. Everyone else chewed up the scenery so well. Um, but still, Sean, like, he had some really good lines in there, and and I... I we're we're, we're, I we're peak that. fat Sean here, and I absolutely oh, yeah. love him. Heavenwood, I can work with that. I had Andrew and Randy Jackson as a tie. Yeah, their overacting yeah. was fucking unbelievable. Just the <laughs> like, best. It's and I hated it the first time I watched it, but it gets better <laughs> every time you do. I thought Gus, he'll be my runner-up. I thought he played a pretty good uh, role, even like when they were like, uh, "We came here to uh, to you know catch bad guys, solve crimes, and eat pie." <laughs> Not necessarily in that order, and it hasn't. <laughs> Yeah, which is great. Yeah, his little little zingers in there were great. Uh, a couple quotes uh, that we didn't get to. Um, hey, Sean, that owl is made entirely out of cinnamon. That means it's both wise and, and delicious. delicious. <laughs> um, these books are archaic. 
and, and really old. old. I fucking love that. <laughs> um, and then the absence makes the hairy ass hairy ass. Like I never picked up on that the first time. No. Both Megan and I, when we were watching it last night, um, we're like, "Did he just say hairy ass?" Like we never, we never noticed that before. And then, and this killed me too. So after my dad had been heavily flirting with Gus, and he starts to flirt back, and now he's like in full like Gus creep mode. Gus, Gus creep mode. He says something, and then Sean just goes, "What exactly constitutes the difference between altar boy Gus?" And degenerate Gus, <laughs> and I love—I just love the idea of degenerate Gus. Yeah, which he yeah he bounces back and forth. Yeah, uh, and then let's see, someone snuck on me when I wasn't looking. You, we oh yeah, you, we already said this. It wouldn't have made it. It wouldn't have made a difference. Uh, so what's what's our last boom, sound? Boom, boom. Muffins debuted in the actual episode of the Father Leslie one, The Devil in the Details and also upstairs. That's right. So, not a lot of psych running gags because they went with all Twin Peaks gags. Uh, but we do get a pineapple in the bowl of fruit at the Barker's house. Um, Lodge Blackman, right, is Gus's nickname. Mm-hmm. But what we do get, right, is uh, we get a shit ton of obscure references, Billy. Yeah, we probably missed a few or, you know, uh, going through here. But Sony Jackson, Danny Glover, which I love, uh, Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> you could be Hoke or Miss Daisy. Betty yeah. Boop, General Hospital, Pretty in Pink several times. Everwood, which was probably one of the funniest things. Uh, Jose Feliciano. That's which, a great which, reference. Which might be my favorite, actually. <laughs> because, you know, no, most people would go like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Or something like that. But the fact that he says Jose Feliciano, which also is one of my favorite Christmas songs, because I want to wish you a merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Pamela Smart, yeah. uh, a great, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you would call that, a sex offender joke. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> or inappropriate relationship joke, I should say. Yeah. Joan yeah. and John Cusack, which I thought was great. Wickerman, Witness, The Village. Um, and then just the fucking Doc Gooden, Andrew Jackson, and Randy Jackson. Right. And Bob Barker, like and Bob, I forgot Bob Barker. Yeah, it's it's, it's just fucking fantastic. Yeah, it, it really is. Like they had they they had fun with this episode. You can tell, um, and and I we sure as hell had fun watching it. Um, pineapple scores, Billy. I mean, I think these are no brainers. Yeah, eight. yeah, eight hands down. This is this is like I said, this is a this is a Mount Rushmore episode uh, for me. Uh, so, uh, Billy. Come on, son. Come on, son. Get that out of here with that bull. Come on. That's, that's my player brand. Come on. No, it's my brand player. <laughs> he swept my ultra bright when I was dancing on the floor. <laughs> uh, so next week we have season five, episode 13. We'd like to thank the Academy. Uh, this is one that I generally like. I'll be intrigued. I haven't watched it in a while, so I'll be intrigued to see it on uh, rewatch. Uh, I love what's the what's the main bad guy's name? He's got sort of a weird name. Um, Devry. Wants Devry, and he wants uh, he loves uh, Sean's shoes. Yep, yeah, slide them shoes right on over here. It's like right. a fabulous Emmett Smith, <laughs> yes, <actually>. yes. <laughs> so, uh, I thought I actually think Ralph Macchio does a does a does a really good job. And you want to talk about Prick Lassie? Lassie's a real fucking knob, uh, oh, big time in this in this episode, and I should kind of rightfully probably... so. True, true, true. And I should probably swear a little less because uh, one one of our listeners listens to this with his son. I don't know how. Oh yeah, how I forgot his, about that. How how old his son is? So uh, if you're listening, uh, I apologize for the the terse language. Um, I mean, they must know ha- by now. <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll have to earmuffs it. <laughs> but maybe the son is is older and it doesn't matter, or or the dad just he was really cool for listening to this with his son anyway. So we appreciate. Yeah, it. Thank you for that. That's great. I also went yeah. out with somebody the other day who called women broads. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, was she a tough old broad? You know, <laughs> and she was just a nice. She was a nice young lady, but she was like broads, man. And I was like, that's <laughs> that's hilarious because uh, <laughs> I have a podcast where in which one of my friends uh, loves to say broad. So yeah, it's it's a it really is a fun word. You it's know, great. and we use it uh, as a term of endearment. It is a term of endearment. Uh, so Billy. Where can the people find us, my friend? Uh, wherever they get their podcasts, first of all. 
But if you would like to go to the hashtag DorkSharedGooniverse page, all of the podcasts are on there. My currently defunct PCP, you can find old episodes anywhere you find podcasts as well. Your other one, TLDR with Nick Fryer. His other podcast is Change My Mind. They had a gym episode recently, which was pretty good. Go check that out. And then the heavy hitters of the DSG, which are Dork and Mac and Goo. Uh, Goo is uh, in another land currently, so I think Mac is doing... Some random podcasts with uh, our buddy Shime, who is one of our streamers, along with you and Davey and uh, Keith. Uh, you guys stream on Twitch and YouTubes at times. So go check all of us out anywhere you can find us. Five stars. Rate, review, and subscribe, baby. Please, yes. Yeah, that helps, that helps a ton. And so until next week, Billy. Wait for it. Frank says hi. Yeah, nailed it. And now we wait.